1: Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today we have a very interesting and a pertinent topic for current times to discuss, uh, which none of us can afford to ignore. The Future of Human Worker. Now I have with me for discussion today Gaurav Rastogi, a transformational leader, an inventor, an author, and a public speaker. And above all, he is an expert on future of work and human worker. He understands the requirements of work as well as the role of spirituality to keep an intense focus on getting the work done in today's extremely distracting environment. Gaurav is CEO of Future of Work Startup loop and he started that after a long career in driving sales transformation for a $8 billion software services company. He is a master's in business He has MBA from India's number one program uh, from IIM Ahmedabad. He has authored two business books. And uh, he is also a co founder of a non profit, Mantra Chakra Foundation, where he promotes healthy living through meditation and yoga. He's also a meditation teacher with advanced yoga credentials. And he has also authored one meditation e book. And podcast on meditation called Living Meditations. That's available on iTunes and everywhere else. So he is extremely qualified to give us uh, a good talk and have a nice discussion today uh, on our favorite subject, the future of human worker. Uh, by the way he also believes that future work is going to be very different from the monolithic corporate model that uh, uh, we are very familiar with in current times where companies uh, uh are having large corporate structure that will change and the companies will tap into distributed workforces that are shared with other companies and uh that as an employee will mix work and learning in quick cycles uh welcome gaurav
2: thank you Mesh. i'm happy to be here and i'm looking forward to our conversation
1: yeah Ghanav, before we start our discussion, I want to share some uh, findings which I had uh, doing research on a few things related to future of work. I, I found one study which says uh, the adaptation of uh, the currently demonstrated uh, automation technologies could affect up to 50% of the world economy, uh, 1.2 billion employees actually and in terms of wages it could impact almost 14.6 trillion dollars. All of those look like big numbers, but if you look at where the max impact would come, the four countries China, India, Japan and the United States, they will account for over half of this. So it looks like the future of human worker is going to change dramatically in future with machine intelligence coming in and artificial or augmented intelligence coming in and I also saw uh, a report from Oxford Martin School, which they did in 2013, their estimation is that 47% of jobs in US could be susceptible to computerization in uh, next 20 years. Uh, similarly, McKinsey Global Institute, they have predicted that robots uh, will play a major role, and they could jeopardize between 40 to 70 million jobs uh, in next 10 years. <coughs> And uh, uh, the platform Upwork where you can uh, uh, use freelancers to get things done, that alone currently is having 10 million freelancers which are registered across 180 countries. So basically what we are hearing nowadays is automation, drones, robots, artificial intelligence, machine intelligence. What do you see as the future of human worker in this situation?
2: Mahesh, that's an interesting question. And there's a lot of talk about what automation and AI will do and what jobs will take away and, and so on. There's a lot of talk about what technology will do. But the real question out there is, what will the human workers do? And there's hope that we'll do different things, we'll you know, work in a different sort of environment. But what will that be? What will we all do when uh, computers are doing a lot of the basic work and you know automation uh, and robots? are taking care of some of the more more basic pieces of work. Let me set out a few paradoxical things uh, that we're already beginning to see uh, that uh, that are both at work, both ends of the paradoxes are at work. Uh, if you look at how careers are, it used to be that becoming a lifetime employee of a company was uh, quite the thing to do. And now, as, as the need for high skills uh, becomes more important, uh, it, it's often not an advantage to stay long enough in the same company because you're not going to be exposed to the newer, newer technologies that might be elsewhere in the job market. So careers, uh, long careers and short careers are both um, seen as good to have. Uh, same with tasks. Uh, there are micro tasks and, and macro tasks. Uh, there are you know little things like what TaskRabbit might do, which is deliver something from store to house Um, might be a kind of task that people are doing and then there's the macro tasks of you know figuring out how to send people to mars which is a super long-term program Um, same with companies Uh, you know companies uh, uh, the corporate structure itself uh, uh, the the fully vertically integrated fully globally integrated company is uh, is one type of corporate model but more and more we're seeing the rise of virtual cooperation where uh, Apple, for example, doesn't manufacture any of the stuff that they sell. They, uh, they merely design it, market it, and, uh, and that's the way they're set up. And more and more companies will become more and more virtualized as the need for higher skills becomes uh, more urgent than it has been in the past. Same with, with employee learning. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, the, the comparison in my mind is yeah, the the need to know the entire encyclopedia versus the need to understand a single tweet and those are both uh, levels of learning that we will have to get used to then you look at human interactions uh, from zero touch type interactions to extremely high touch interactions and finally to skills having minimal or no skills required for some kind of jobs and extremely exceptionally high skills required for some other jobs. These are all uh, changes that are happening to things that were stable for a fairly long term in the corporate setup. And these changes are going to drive how we work and the kind of work uh, environment that we um, adapt uh, or, or we move to in the future. Interestingly, there's a sort of master-slave dynamic that's that's always at work in driving human culture with respect to us humans and our technologies. Now, you could think of fire as a technology uh, uh, to to actually uh, digest food outside the body. You could think of language as a way of coordinating efforts across people. And both fire and language have shaped us as modern human beings. But there's other technology. You could look at money, the creation of money, which is absolutely an absurd concept because you're trading something valuable for something which is essentially a piece of paper or now just electronic bits and bytes. So money itself is a new technology uh, that, uh, that changed the shape and culture of our civilization. So did railways, so did electricity, and now digital, and coming soon, AI, artificial intelligence. All of these technologies We are co-evolving with these technologies all the time. And sometimes it's hard to say if we're the masters of our technology or these technologies are our master. I'll give you a a simple something to think about. Facebook's valuation per user is about $200 per user. Now the question is, uh, do you own Facebook as a user or does Facebook own you if they're worth $200 per user? right? That's a big question. What's unmistakable is that the, the human and uh, artificial intelligence, or software, or robot relationship—it's creating massive changes to our society, and one we'll have to adjust to rapidly until this relationship stabilizes. You know, with previous technologies, we had—you know—lifetimes, generations, decades, or years to, to respond, but now we have less than a decade to uh, to adjust some of these changes in technology. And that's going to be the tricky
1: part. Yeah, and if you if you see um, uh, even uh, ILO, uh, International Labour Organization, they are also worried about what's what's going to happen, uh, what impact it will have on the society exactly the way you you put it up that master slave uh, dynamics there, and uh, I think uh, they have they're already planning their uh, uh, centenary initiative in 2019, uh, which is more towards understanding and responding in in, in the best possible manner uh, about how the work is going to happen with the changes happening all across and what would be uh, the social impact and how they can ensure uh, a social justice in that environment and uh, somewhere I had seen that in in, in the past uh, the life, the work life balance the way it was, I think it was the Three Boxes of Life when Dick Bowles uh, authored the book. He said that uh, uh, you study, then you work, and then you retire. And now with the speed of change and the dynamics there, probably everybody will be learning, working, and enjoying uh, the retirement, I won't call retirement the leisure, uh, throughout our lives. And uh, uh, it'll go on for a long time.
2: Oh, absolutely! You know, I, uh, I mean, uh, my my own sense is that the the model where you could consume a lifetime worth of learning in the first few years uh, of your life, and for the rest of your life you're drawing down on that that, that repository or that collection of knowledge, that model is completely uh, is gone. Now mm-hmm. you have to work and learn and work and learn, uh, and uh, and that that actually changes things a lot because most of us, we, when we started work we expected to work till the end of our working life and retire subsequently. That's not useful anymore because after five years of working, our knowledge is going to be outdated. What we know is no longer going to be current. And Mm -hmm. we have to find, evolve as individuals, as well as as companies and as societies, how to create these mechanisms for people to continue their education, continue their learning, and continuing to refresh their skill set because things are moving so fast. Right, otherwise, other you, otherwise you, you get, get obsolete. Yeah, exactly, otherwise you get obsolete and and you're no longer able to reconnect back into the workforce. If you stay, stay out and you're now no longer current with uh, whatever is the latest in, in your field, then reconnecting is that much more difficult. Every year you stay out, you're probably five years behind. So, yeah. so keeping in the game is going to be important, which actually creates a lot more um, uh, pressure on individuals to stay current on their uh, on their skill game and uh, Companies and societies have to adjust to that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a brilliant point because see if if you look Let's let's look back a radiologist. He was in so much of demand You know, it was special art now. I'm not art science Whatever the mix of both now if you're reading an x-ray a software can do twice as good as a seasoned radiologist and and uh, somebody was expert in typing uh, you know now you have voice recognition and that can type maybe 3 times faster than uh, what you could do so things are changing uh, actually what it looks like Gaurav is there'll be a major impacts one would be on the personal side that why we work how do we work and uh, how our car- career uh, progresses the second is organizational impact where how the organization would look like. What would be the role of people? What would be the role of the machines? Uh, And uh, how would the organization set it up? And the third one is, it's going to impact the society. What kind of education, what kind of skill development, what would be um, the impact on wages, immigration, work standards, the the whole economic problems of inequality, unemployment, all will come into play in a very different manner because a human society has uh, plan how to eradicate poverty what needs to be done create jobs but here the machines can eliminate some of those jobs uh god we're going to take a short break now and uh, we will continue our discussion after the break
0: from the boardroom to you voice america business network
1: Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are in a very interesting discussion with Gaurav Rastogi about future of human worker. Gaurav, uh, let's continue uh, where we were before the break, that how the environment is changing and how uh, uh, the triple impact is going to come on the person, uh, on the personal side, uh, and the organizational impact, and also how it's going to impact the society.
2: Sure. You know, I'm reminded of this poem uh, by the Indian-British Nobel laureate Rudyard Kipling. And this is the poem, Kif, If. Uh, This was written about more than 100 years ago. It's a brilliant poem and a great way actually to understand how East and West can come together to create wonderful uh, art, poetry, science, and, you know, and uh, philosophy. Uh, The first couple of lines are simply, If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs. And that's going to be the big challenge for for us as human beings and as you know as leaders of companies, which is how do we keep our heads as all about us are losing theirs.
1: That's very well said because it's such a you know dynamic organization, ch- uh, uh, dynamic environment which is constantly changing. It's changing at a very fast pace.
2: Yeah, and also there are no rules. Uh, you know the rules we grew up with, the rules we understood very well about how business is run, how companies are run, how even countries or politics are run, all those rules are changing. And so if we keep going back to rules that we knew worked only a few years ago, they're useless now, which means there are uh, no benchmarks to compare with, no uh, rules of thumb to go back to, no uh, no, uh, notes you've snippeted away earlier that you can use. You have to learn to live in the present moment, and you have to learn to engage with the present moment on its own terms, with no reference to rules that may have been uh, relevant only a few years ago. So, uh, when you look at what a human worker needs to do, when we need what we need to look at, I think of them as, as four distinct things that that uh, that we need to become really good at. The first thing is learning itself. The second is mastery, and not just a collection of information or knowledge. The third is connecting. And the fourth is pivoting. Let me tell you what that uh, what I what I have in mind. Learning is super important to becoming a, to to staying relevant in today's workplace. And this is learning by doing, and not learning by reading. This is not reading about uh, you know reading about uh, AI and thinking that you've understood it. If it if if you're interested in artificial intelligence, then you have to dabble in it. You have to. Uh, to mess around with it you have to hack um, around with that technology to learn to understand what it's about and to build your own intuition with it so you have to learn by making mistakes and you have to find a place where you can make mistakes and continue to learn if you if you only have one shot and you can't make a mistake you're not going to be you're not going to be fluent in that uh, that particular aspect uh-huh. uh, so so being, being available to making mistakes and learning from mistakes, all learning is failing, and and you have to fail and then learn from those and keep moving, and that's how it is. So, so if you go back to Steve Jobs' famous connect the dot dark, dot stock, right, forget the linear story, storytelling. Forget, uh, you know, that if I did do X plus Y, you get Z. You have to figure out, uh, you know, you have to be open to the changes that the environment is presenting to you and uh, learn to go with the flow. So learning is, is, is number one. Next, next is, is mastery. There are a couple of things in mastery. One is mastery of yourself, which is knowing your own spiritual, emotional, and physical center. Mastery of the, the art of telling your own story. Mastery of the art of changing your own story as times change and the environment changes. Mastery of the, your own ability to hold your attention and master your moods. Mastery of uh, how, to, how to embody your learning, which is, you know, a lot of our learning is in the head. When we're, when we're using our head, uh, we're usually, uh, when we're learning, a lot of times when we're initially learning, we're using our head. But when we're actually doing those things, we're not, we have to get, let the get, head get out of the way and let our intuition and our heart, our entire body, uh, take charge, which means don't be in the head all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so you use your head to learn and then work with your entire body, your entire being, and not just stay in the head. And most of us as knowledge workers, we think that uh, we need to stay in our heads, but that's, that's really, it comes in the way of getting things done because we're not relying on the deeper pool of energy and deeper pool of intelligence that we have inside us. So
1: mm-hmm. that's mastery of your own self. The next is mastery well, so, of your own self. sorry to yes. interrupt you, Gaurav, but this is this is very important topic. You 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 triggered now master mastering yourself. That's the toughest part, because normally uh, the human mind tries to look at the path of least resistance. You know, more into the repetitive, easy task where you get a sense of accomplishment. I did something. You know, and 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 to discipline yourself. Mastering yourself, especially on the emotional and spiritual side, it's a little bit difficult. You have to really get focused on it. And I think uh, uh, on the learning and and, and mastering side, what you said, uh, I think that will be the key to success for human workers because you can't stop learning in in such a fast-changing environment and then be in control of yourself. When you say mastering yourself, you say you're mastered, so you're in control of yourself. Use what you have learned and constantly keep learning to remain uh, kind of valid for the current situation. Otherwise, you will become irrelevant.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting you you bring that point up because I feel our education system is failing us and will fail us even more to prepare us for what we need to really do. We're trained to be, you know, to, to overemphasize on our intellect. We're trained to to not really pay attention uh, to our bodies, to our emotional state, to our spiritual side. And because of that, we have a poor understanding of our own selves. And we spend our our life looking for things outside, looking for fulfillment outside, and don't find it. And that education is extremely important now because everything that we could do by becoming you know uh, uh you know better at computation or more physically uh, sort of um, capable all those things a computer can do easily right mm. but but the other stuff uh, could, you know is what what we can do uniquely but what we are not being trained to learn to understand and to use um, to bring us to to bring completely to our uh, to everything we do so our education system really does not enable us to to be better humans. It enables us to be more computer-like or more machine-like, which isn't going to be really helpful uh, as times change. True. Yeah. So on mastery, the next level of mastery is mastery of relationships and and, and which will help us being able to connect. Now, with relationships, it's really about learning empathy. Uh, What I mean by that is a lot of the work that humans will be asked to do or will be expected to do is work with other other humans to to carry people along to move people to do what what they need to do and to do that you need to know what other people care for you need to be able to frame things in a way that helps other people see your story and you need to be able to understand how to influence other people not just with words but with with a far wider range of of capabilities than simply writing something up and expecting people to to follow through. Which, you know, uh, with your and my careers in corporate world, we know that just sending an email, for example, doesn't get things done. You still have to engage people.
1: Right. That's a distribution of work by sending an email. You distributed it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, by this time, we've all realized that just telling people what to do doesn't get it done. You still have to you know, to, to to move people, you still have to excite them about your cause, you still have to influence them directly and indirectly. Those are skills that, that we will need more and more of, and those are skills that we need to master. So that's the, the, the next thing, which is learning and mastery. After that, third skill is connecting. Connecting with the, ourselves, we talked about that, connecting with other humans, connecting with companies, and connecting with technologies, that will become an important skill for us as well. And finally, it's the ability to pivot. And what I mean by that is, how do we lean into the change? How do we resist change to the extent we feel like we need to resist, but be willing to change that at all? How do we embrace change? How do we continue to pivot and tell a new story every time something changes? And and be able to take advantage of the changing winds all around us. So the ability to pivot will be an extremely important ability. If, if we hold on to uh, to firm dogma or to, or to beliefs that we don't want to have questioned, then we're going to be extremely unhappy as times change. And uh, that's no way to work. So let me go back to something that we talked about earlier, which is uh, the, the, the master-slave dynamic between us and our technology the thing is it's convenient to believe that we are the masters of our technology and that we we can uh, we can go wherever we want to we can do whatever we want but it's not really true even today as we speak um, in many ways algorithms and technologies are telling us what to read what to eat what to wear what to do uh, you know when you look at people who um, who are who are working on microtasks they are being dispatched pieces of work. Uh, for example, an Uber driver is told where to go, who to pick up, where to drop them, and then who, what to do next. So work is being handed over to us by technology. So the question is, who's the master and who's the slave?
1: That's a very good point.
2: Yeah. And to be masters, we have to be able to use technology at our will and not be used by it. And and that's where you know, I feel a background in, in yoga, not just the the posture yoga, but the whole the deeper the ancient uh, uh, philosophy and practice of yoga comes in handy. I'll give you a, a, a an anecdote from my childhood uh, in India. Um, you remember uh, growing up in you and I both grew up in the same city. So you remember hmm. growing up on the streets. There are these feral cows. There uh, there are these cows roaming around the streets. They're not feral. They're not wild. They're actually owned by someone, but they're stray cows. They're just roaming around on the streets. And occasionally, the owner's son is going to come running around through the streets looking for his cows, and, and then round them up and take them back home. And eventually, they'll escape again, and they'll be back on the street. Right. Yeah. Uh, a good cowherd takes good care of his cows, and he never lets them stray. Good point. Now, wh- why that's relevant here is our attention is a little like those cows that we've let astray. They go out. I mean, we we start work, and we we open out the email, but then something comes up, and we open out one browser tab, then we remember something else, and the, another tab opens up, and another tab, and another tab, and then somebody calls us, and then there's the, you know WhatsApp on the phone, and there's you know the the coffee break, and then you come back and you wonder where the heck you started from, and that's. A day in the life of pretty much everyone right now, and yeah. that's because we've let our attention astray. We we let our attention be stolen, and and you know taken away to to uh, to anywhere uh, they wish to take it.
1: And that's and, very well said.
2: Yeah, and now uh, as we work, it it'll be extremely important to be able to hold on to our attention, to be able to hold on to our energy. And, and direct it at will. So personal mastery is just like this. Uh, you know, a good yogi, the whole, uh, the whole principle of the yoga school itself is a good yogi has mastery over his senses and does not let them stray, right? And so if you think about the dynamic between us and, and uh, automation or, or artificial intelligence or robots or whatever, it's this. On the one hand, technology is distracting us and making our our attention spans lower and on the other hand it is taking away jobs that require low attention spans mm-hmm. so, so 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 see the math right so yeah. it's lowering our attention and it's taking those jobs away
1: that's a very good very good point uh, uh, garav Just uh, let's uh, hold on. please hold your thought here we'll take a quick break and we'll continue exactly uh, where we uh, are uh, leaving this discussion welcome back you are listening to global business with mahesh yoshi we are having very interesting discussion with garav about the future of human worker garav uh, before the break um, uh, we were talking about artificial intelligence and machine intelligence and its impact on uh, human beings and the society uh, let's discuss a little bit more on that subject
2: sure so the, thing, the way to think about it is that in the previous industrial revolution uh, it paid to to have people work and think like machines uh, we you know we like machines we showed up at the office at a certain point of time in the day and we worked for eight 10 12 hours depending on how bad your working conditions were and we went went home and and the worker was essentially a cog in the wheel of a large industrial machine. And you can already see that doesn't work anymore. We're plugged in all the time. We're working all the time, and we're also not able to unplug all the time. And so we always have this low level of engagement with uh, with you know our, our devices, our technology, and uh, we're never able to step away from our workplace as much as we used to. earlier. Mm-hmm. But the need of need of this this time is not uh, for humans to be more machine-like or for companies to be much more machine-like. It's for humans to be more human-like, right? So it doesn't pay to... to um, I mean, if you think about it, how strong can an individual physical uh, human being be physically? Uh, and, and think of how many machines you can create that are stronger than that. So it doesn't help for human beings to only look, look at the physical aspect of their work. How about working long hours? Mm-hmm. Uh, will it? If you're working eight hours and you have a certain amount of productivity, are you 50% more productive if you're working 12 hours? Are you 100% more productive if you're working 16 hours? Are you 300% more effective, productive if you are working 24 hours? And the answer is no. Productivity is not directly correlated to the hours of work you put in. And so there is this, begin, there is this realization that, that human beings are not machines right but but machines are becoming more human like in their cognitive capability in their strength of course that's always been the case and and in their ability to do uh, to relatively simple uh, uh, tasks which were originally being done by human knowledge workers it wasn't so long ago that the word computer itself referred to human beings and not not computers that we know now right And it's the same with knowledge workers. Maybe knowledge workers will essentially be software robots in the future. The thing is, tasks that can be automated will be automated. There's nothing immoral about it. That's how these things work all the time. Mm. right? But what are human beings going to do after that? And that's where we were going back to the master-slave conversation, which is we will either be told what to do, so we will either be told to fill the last mile of connectivity between what a computer is able to do and what human be- beings are able to do. So go go take this box out of the you know the, the autonomous truck and deliver it at the doorstep because the, the drone technology hasn't figured that out yet. So so we can either be slaves to the technology and be given micro tasks to do
1: mm-hmm.
2: at the outer edge of what computers are able to are able to do. Or we become masters of technology, and we're now able to use the technology like we're able to use language, or fire, or money. Right. And uh, and that's the, the the sort of big change. So the, the dynamic we were discussing before the break was that, uh, unfortunately, we haven't learned to live with technology, and still retain control of our own senses. Right. We are we are now being uh, made more and more distracted. We're being connected for longer term, um, uh, sort of longer periods. And we are not able to unplug from any context long enough for our roots to regenerate, so to speak, for our thoughts to recover or for our, our intuition to develop on that subject. So what happens is is we are now engaged, I would say, at 15 to 20 percent of our capacity all the time.
1: Yeah, I think you bring in a very good point, Gaurav, because if you see anything repetitive, if a, a human being has to do, Efficiency over a period of time, because he or she gets tired, mental as well as physical, the the productivity goes down. Whereas that can be easily replaced with artificial intelligence or machine, because it will keep doing it. Because the way it has been designed, there is no no feature for getting tired. There is no fatigue built in. Yeah, there is no fatigue. And and very good point uh, on uh, the distractions. You know, with so many equipment around us, so much of technology, constant bombardment of information. I'll just share with you that the chief analyst at Base, a knowledge uh, economy research firm, uh, they have found that information overload costs the US economy close to almost a trillion dollars. The number they're saying is around 900 billion per year in lowered employee productivity and reduced innovation. They're constantly distracted. Emails and the messages and all the electronic media around you, and also uh, it, it actually is uh, 25% of a knowledge worker's uh, day. You know, and th- that's that's what is lost. And nowadays, uh, there's another statistics I found that workers are spending up to 50% of their time just managing the information. So what they're calling it is a national attention deficit. You know. And yeah. the and the bombardment of information which is coming, uh, it has become a norm. And the, the 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 number of messages you get, the text messages, the emails, and all it's it's unbelievably high. And you can say that work has become dynamic. It's disruptive and kind of overwhelming. And those uh, rel- relentless messages which are coming because of the technologies you have instant connections is very overwhelming. You know, just to uh, Share a few more pieces of information with you, which I found very interesting, is almost uh, two decades ago, uh, a cognitive reorientation study was done, and 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 uh, it said that the constant interruptions increase the time required to do complex task by as much as 20 to 40 percent. Mm-hmm. You know, the mental capacity is reduced, and also. Um, uh, A study was conducted by HP, they reported that IQ scores of information workers tested while they are subjected to distraction and overload. Uh, The IQ was reduced by 10 points, so it's a very overwhelming environment. So here's my question to you, and I would love to pick up your insight with your background and the knowledge you possess in many different fields. we all read about the corporate athletes two decades ago, that to be successful, you need corporate athlete. A uh, lot of features you need in you to become that. Now for future, would you need a corporate athlete or you will have to become a corporate yogi?
2: Yeah, that that's an interesting uh, article you point to. This came about uh, almost two decades ago, and it had a, a big impact on, on me as well last day. It, it framed my thinking for a good part of my working career, but uh, But As a practicing yogi and and as a corporate person, I can tell you that the model is right, except it begins at the wrong end. So let me just, for those who aren't aware, uh, it's a pyramid. It begins with uh, building physical capacity, then building emotional capacity, then building mental capacity, and then building spiritual capacity. And in many ways, it's it's kind of, you know, the Maslow's need hierarchy as well, where self- uh, actualization and self-realization are at the top end of the pyramid. So it's a similar kind of pyramid. The problem with that, that pyramid mindset is that it, it assumes that you have to begin at the bottom and work your way to the top. But think about what's at the bottom, physical capacity and mental capacity. And think about what are the things that are actually being automated or, or outsourced to a machine. And it's these things right right that's a great point point. And, and so you're never going to get there because you're never going to have a strong enough base uh, over here the thing is the i mean the corporate yogi position is that you have to start with with your building your spiritual capacity and your spiritual genius being a, beginning with your own self and centering and grounding yourself in your own spiritual being is core to operating in the modern workplace you have to find your sources of motivation you have to find your sources of determination and endurance you have to tap into a deep pool of energy and and purpose and once you have that then then you can use that energy to to direct your mental uh, uh, capacity to grow your emotional to give you emotional uh, resilience and of course uh, the physical capacity needed to, to, you know, move up from your desk and move about. Uh, So the thing is the corporate athlete point of view is right, except it, it leads people to assume that the spiritual thing comes in the end. But But the belief, I mean, my belief now is that it it's what you begin with. It's not what you end with, which is you have to begin with spiritual capacity and build your spiritual genius. I Before agree with you. I
1: think that's that's a major change, uh, Gaurav. We are having very interesting discussion on this subject. We will continue this discussion. Do you need to be a corporate yogi or a corporate athlete in future? Let's take a short break. We'll continue after the break.
0: Voice America Business Network: The Bottom Line in Business.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Very interesting discussions we are having today with Gaurav Rastogi on uh, what's the future of work and uh, more importantly, what's the future of human worker? Uh, Welcome back, uh, Gaurav. Um, uh, We were discussing about what do we need to be now, a a, a corporate yogi or a corporate athlete?
2: Thanks, Mahesh. Uh A corporate athlete that doesn't begin from the spiritual side is just an athlete. Uh, A corporate yogi can be a great corporate athlete. Uh, The thinking is that you have to begin with uh, your own spiritual growth, your own spiritual development, and founding yourself in your own spiritual uh, uh, depth. And because
1: it's not that we may be left with many choices because the environment has forced us to, to, to move in that direction because of the constant destruct, distractions, the technology is pushing and taking away uh, the enduring repetitive tasks away from us.
2: Yeah. And again, we were talking about the theme of co-evolution with our technologies earlier. And this is a great example of co-evolution, which is as our technology becomes more sophisticated, we have to learn to handle it and we have to learn to grow in, in tune with it. For example, language and reading things. You know, when uh, when you and I look at a book, we can read it outright without having to think about the act of reading, right? But it's not innate in us. It's not as if we are born with, you know, English alphabets in our brain. We are trained up on them. We learn how to read words. We learn we learn how to read characters, then words, then sentences, then paragraphs, then books. And then we are, we, we acquire fluency. In, and of course, we learn how to talk also. So... These things are things that we can learn. It's the same with technology uh, in the modern age, which is today's technology is is you know computer technology and artificial intelligence and machine intelligence and automation. We have to learn to live with them, which means we have to evolve ourselves and our social systems to to be in sync with to 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 allow us to use these uh, uh, to our will. Mm-hmm and uh, and that because you know because digital technology is moving so fast uh, these changes are coming at uh, coming at us at a much faster pace than they used to before but it's the same dynamic we have to learn and we have to evolve our society in line with these uh, technologies otherwise we we'll, it'll be like playing with fire you, if you play with fire and you don't know how to then you'll burn the house down but if you don't play with fire you don't learn how to cook and if you don't learn how to cook you're eating raw food, which means, you know, you don't have enough energy for the, you know, to send glucose to the brain, that sort of stuff. So human beings evolved with fire. Mm-hmm. Human beings will evolve with this new technology as well. It might be social evolution, but we'll just have to learn fast enough. And, and to come back to what I was saying earlier, and that evolution, those skills are really building our spiritual genius with being able to center ourselves in our own spirit and being able to influence other people by connecting to their hearts and not just their heads or their hands.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So, so basically, uh, I would say, as you had earlier also pointed out, if you need to become a corporate yogi instead of a corporate athlete to be successful, I'm saying you need to be uh, the, the order of how you train yourself has changed. Where, what's the starting point with uh, with a corporate yogi versus a corporate uh, athlete? The key may lie in how the society gets prepared for that, how a human being gets prepared, especially the next generation, what they should be learning in school. And would they be uh, opening up their innovative, creative sites, or would they be going through those repetitive things to get trained and become an expert through education?
2: Absolutely. And I wouldn't kick it down to the next generation. I think our generation, we still, we have to evolve as well. We have to learn because it's happening in real time. It's yeah. not something we're seeing far in the future. It's already here.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the current generation will have a major impact because things are changing and you have to work and constantly learn along with that to, to stay relevant. Whereas the next generation can spend time to get trained on it.
2: Yeah. And so, I mean, as people who are working uh, today, we mm-hmm. have to learn to let go of habits we've had. We have to learn to create new habits, create new rituals, and create new ways to check in with our own selves and make sure that we're connected to, to ourselves spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And uh, and that's the mastery of the self, which precedes mastery over anything else. If we don't have control over ourselves, if we don't have uh, if we are not able to exercise our free will on our own selves, then what are the chances that we will be able to uh, be masters of our technology?
1: Right. I think this is an excellent discussion, uh, Gaurav, and I'm kind of getting convinced that uh, the the emotional capabilities have to come into play starting from spiritual and develop that part of the brain and, and, and build the mental capacity. The overall impact of the future of work, the way it is changing, to me it looks like there is definitely a direct impact, a major one, personal one, on people. How they work, where they work, what do they do, how do they do, what they have learned, how do they stay relevant. Second, it will have an impact on the society because individuals are impacted and how they behave in the society how it uh, turns the behaviors of societies economic as well as personal dealings and uh, it looks like the organizations definitely are going to change and that that you can see with the uh, the startup concept where a lot of creativity is coming in and people are using tasks uh, accomplished at many different places and combined at uh, all across the globe, globe, in one location, for a success of business, you don't need to own everything. Uh, those startups, at least in U.S. Uh, in terms of economic gains, have created uh, net positive jobs in last thirty years. Whereas the conventional industrial economy companies, large corporations, probably has not created that kind of uh, employment. That's pretty evident. And the last one. Uh, which looks like how do we get ready, how do we progress in this society, that uh, uh, I probably would say that it will be more important for us to start behaving like a corporate yogi uh, and uh, uh, become a good corporate athlete also, but you can't start with becoming a corporate athlete and be successful. You will have to start uh, with being uh, uh, picking up the traits of becoming a corporate yogi. So uh, Gaurav, thank you so much. Uh, we are at the end of our program. Uh, really appreciate it. very insightful discussion and uh, you gave us uh, uh, a view of the future and how uh, a human uh, should get ready uh, for working in future in the environment where there are lots of distractions and very difficult to focus.
2: Absolutely. I'm, I'm optimistic about the future. Once again, we'll have an opportunity for all humans to be less machine-like and more human-like and actually live more fulfilling, more prosperous, and more satisfying life. We have to learn to be human again, and that's a great future to look forward to.
1: That's very well said, uh, Garav. And with that, uh, we come to our end of our program today. Uh, thank you so much.
2: I've enjoyed this. Thank you very much.